Hello everyone, uh, this is Edgar, uh, again, with the Football Chronicles. Uh, we are back for another episode. I know we've been a little absent uh, for a few days, but we are back and stronger than ever. Um, so I'm here today with uh, Sebas. Sebas, say hi. Hi, everybody. And with uh, Justin Neal. Hey, Justin. Hello. Hello. Hey, um, guys, really good to have you and really good to be back to talk about football. So um, the first topic, you know, th there's a lot of friendlies this, this last few days. Um, we wanted to talk about the U.S. versus Colombia and with two of their finest representatives. <laughs> on the <laughs> Colombian side, we have Sebas and on the U.S. side, we have Justin. So, okay, mm -hmm. guys, go ahead. <laughs> okay. talk, talk about it. Well, it was a very interesting match on my side. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin, I think I'm going to start. Uh, giving no, a little okay. bit of, of the specifics of the match, well, it was, it was played in Tampa. Yep. Both teams didn't have a coach. Like, both of them had, like, an interim coach because they're still on the search for whatever they're looking for. <laughs> oh, that's right. I completely yeah. forgot that Colombia yep. didn't have a coach. Yeah, we don't. And the yeah. is also... Well, neither do we. So it's a club. <laughs> yeah. I have the feeling that the US had a squad, a more youth squad. I think they were trying to experiment a little bit more. Yep. Um, for Which for me was surprising considering they don't have a coach. So I don't know how, like, who's. What, what, what is the purpose of this? You know, because. You know, they can get a new coach and and that new coach can choose other players different from these ones. So, I don't know. It was kind yeah. of interesting to see that. But They still are playing with an interim manager. I think they're coming closer to a decision about actually hiring somebody, but they haven't yet. And I think they, Sarchan, they've had since they uh, let or Bruce Arena was, was let go after the failure to qualify against Trinidad. Um, so he's been there for about a year and has, I think just kind of been trying a lot of different things, just throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks, trying different formations, players. And this is just another example of the U.S. just not having enough to hold off a really good offensive team. Um, so we made some pretty clear mistakes in the back that Columbia took advantage of, and this resulted in a, a two-goal loss that could have been worse. Yeah. I mean, at least. some point, at some point, the U.S. like made a comeback and almost it, it was, you know, it was a very even game. But you know, like definitely, Colombia has players like they they brought their main squad for this match. Yep. And you know, like I, I think there are many experienced players on the Colombian side. And I think the U.S. was lacking that experience. You know, like they couldn't like hold the the score. And. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was also surprising to see, to, well, the things from the Colombian side, it was surprising for me to see Baca scoring, because he he doesn't score that much go that many goals with the national team. Mm -hmm. um, so that was surprising. <laughs> the other surprising thing was, well, Hamer Rodriguez has scored a really amazing goal. That is an um, understatement. Yeah, it's a really beautiful goal. <laughs> it was so awesome. If you guys haven't seen it, you you know whoever hasn't seen it, you really should. It it was absolutely gorgeous to see the ball ball curve in to the goal like that. It was a nice goal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. I mean, you, I, Mr. Rodriguez, you could cle 
Tell was clearly the best player for either team on the pitch, and that, yeah, that shot was one that not many players in the world could make. And that was the first goal of the game, right, guys? That was a 1-0, I think, from what I can see. I think so, yeah. 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 I think so, but then the U.S. scored two goals. Yeah. uh, One right after the other, which I think... Oh, yeah, back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of nice counterattacks. You know, they, they put a few pieces together, but I think, you know... In general, just the lack of attacking depth in the U.S. is showing. I mean, and the lack of quality, I would say, Justin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a very young team. Well, not all of them. I mean, you saw Michael... I'm <laughs> shocked to see Michael Bradley there again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If um, Michael Bradley's playing, I don't think that's a good sign. No, um, I, I was very surprised to see that. Well, McKinney and Adams, you know, two right. players that we're really building the future around. And McKinney's been a quality player, I would say. Yeah. I, um, I like that kid. Being injured and, oh, of course, Pulisic being out too. I mean, you're talking about three of probably the best players that are playing. They're planning to have a huge role in the next World Cup cycle and hopefully beyond, right? So if you're missing those players and you're relying on Altador and Bobby Wood and some of these players that just really, I don't know, they're not they're not there. And like, uh, Ju- Julian Green. Ju- yeah, I had not oh heard of Julian God. Green for a while. Timothy Weah, though, I think. Well, Timothy Weah, though, had an assist, I believe. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, he he did have an assist, and like he he's got to be developing, and hopefully he gets some more time. I think he might be loaned out um, in this in the winter transfer window, Um, but he needs to play with the team more, both the U.S. team and to to play, you know, get playing time um, in his club. So him, Sargent, you know, he's going to be be good when he gets a chance to play more i mean but players like green like i don't know we've seen enough of him i don't know what he really is bringing to the table now and i feel like he's making a lot of mistakes and just isn't he's more like a stopgap player than a true player person you plan to be on the team right and you have acosta played pretty well you know he he looked pretty good bradley mm, not so much (laughs) just just doesn't really have it anymore. I mean, maybe as a defensive midfielder, but he shouldn't be playing higher up, running box to box. Just not, not that guy anymore. Um, there's a lot, you know, that they're going to make changes for the next game. But but yeah. I, I I do like like on paper the United States uh, young team, young players looks pretty awesome. I mean. McKinney, Schalke, Timothy yep. Weah, PSG. Yeah. Um, you know, Miaska plays for Chelsea, yeah, but I think he's at uh, Nantes. Yeah, he's on loan, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a very young team, though. The problem is that I don't think they have played together that much. Right, right. But And I think Josh Sargent plays uh, World Bremen, I think. So, World Bremen, yep. I, I, my, my point is, I think any team in the world would like to have that many young players in pretty good teams um, because I, I don't think it's very common that that happens. Um, and so, you know, while today you guys lost pretty badly, uh, I mean, hope hopefully things get better, but to Sebas's point, it is really weird that you're trying all these young players without a coach, um, yeah. you know, that could decide tomorrow, yeah, no, we're not doing this or, or, or whatever. It, it just seems... Very off base. And do you see what's missing? Is that there's basically an entire generation of players right. that they don't have. Like they have these young, 
teenagers like, and early 20s teenagers. kids. Yeah, exactly. And then they have, like, Michael Bradley, and there's no, like, mid-20s to, like, late-20s players that you would expect to be, like, leading the team, to be right. providing the leadership, providing the experience, and they, those players really just aren't there. Which, to me, would be, like, the only one I can think of, from what I can see, is, is Yedlin, right? He's yeah. the only one. Yep, yeah, Yedlin is. And he's good, and, like, Maybe John Anthony Brooks could be thrown in there once he when he plays. Um, I'm trying to think of players that were on the 2014 team that are still on the team. There's that are young enough that were you know a part of that team, but there's but not many. To, to me, the two takeaways I had from this game is like it was very surprising because Colombia on paper is so much better, and it's a team that has been together for a long time. You know, all these players, like, I know. I've seen all of them play, maybe except for this guy Machado, who I don't really know much of. Yeah, the rest nice. of them, I know. Yeah. Um, so, seeing the United States come back and actually score two goals with little that they have seems pretty positive and a pretty good sign for the future. Um, but, you know, um, definitely long ways out to trying to make a dent into the next World Cup. I, I, okay. You're right. I think these these friendlies they have coming up are kind of like I think they have three more. Um, they play against Peru. And they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow. So that's going to be interesting. And I think they play Ireland and Eng- Italy, or no, England and Italy. Um, and then that's the rest for this year. And I think between now and then, or maybe a little after then, they need to decide on a coach. And really start thinking. We have to prepare for this next World Cup cycle because it's coming a lot quicker than we realize. Right. And they yeah. don't have much time. They don't have a lot of time with these players that are getting the international breaks and um, don't get to practice much with the national team. So it's going to be a challenge. What would you say yeah. about Colombia, Sebas? I think Colombia is playing really well. I think I'm very surprised about these entering coach they have because I think he has done a good job. I'm kind of worried that because he's doing a good job, they're going to keep him as a main coach because uh, even though he's doing a great job, I think Colombia deserves to have a, a better coach and, you know, like... A, a, a proven coach. A proven coach. This guy is the coach of the youth team. Right. And I think he, he, he does a great job over there, but he's not supposed to be the main one. I think, and I, I think they're playing really well. I think the team in general is playing really well. What I'm very surprised is of Arias, because he hasn't been able to play that much in Atletico de Madrid, mm-hmm. because he had an injury in one of his ribs or something, and he was like out of the, he was not able to play. Now he's, I think he's, he's able to play now, but I don't know why Simeone doesn't like let him play that much. So I, I had like my reserves about this player because I thought he was not gonna perform as, as he normally does but he did really well and I'm happy because you know like we have a really strong defense right a young defense which is is, is you know we had a re- we always been like a, we have always been a very defensive team and we like we rely a lot on our defense uh, I was kind of worried because like uh, in the past work of like most of them were really old Mm-hmm. And and now we I, I see that we have a replacement. You know, like the, if I'm really happy with the defense right now. Me, now that you say the defense, where's Jerry Mina? Jerry Mina, I think he's injured. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I think just, he's re recovering and uh, eventually he's gonna play. I think he hasn't been able to play with Everton. No, he hasn't. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's injured. I don't remember his injury. Something like, I don't know, something not that drastic. I don't think something like to worry about. But yeah. I think for, for me with Colombia, I and this is a question because I don't, I don't know. Um, you seem to have very young defenders and like world class defenders like Davinson Sanchez, um, you know, Arias, uh, and even Jeremina, I would say. But yeah, what, yeah, like, yeah. do you have a replacement for Falcao, no. for example? Mm. No, and we and we will not, we, we are not gonna have it for a while. What about that kid, Borja? I think he was Borja. Flamengo, well, I think. Yeah, but Borja is really good, but you know, Falcao is world class, right. You know, like he won uh, so many things in Europe, and you know he was in the top five so of FIFA so for many years. Uh, he won different championships all over the world in very important leagues. You know, like he uh, won the Europa League many times. You right. know, with Porto and Atletico, and mm -hmm. he won uh, against Chelsea. He scored a hat trick in that Super Europa League or whatever you call it. Uh, so yeah, we don't have somebody like that lining lining up, you know. Same with Hamed Rodriguez. I don't think we right. have somebody like like that, or even like Cuadrado. So I think that, that's the problem a little bit with Colombia is that it's hard for Colombia to produce strikers of that quality. Because it's um, it's interesting because you like you you. I mean, the World Cup is in four years. Wait, is it four years? What is it? 20, yeah, like, yeah, four winter, years. Because it's in winter. 2022, yeah. right? Yep. Winter, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, how, how old? Falcao is old. Falcao is older now. He's like 33 yeah, at least. 30s, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, Falcao is probably going to play in the MLS next year, which <laughs> yeah, means I, retirement. Right. <laughs> like a retirement home Yeah. for it's, soccer players. It's, but anyhow, like, I don't think he's going to... He, I don't think he. I think he's probably gonna play some of the qualifiers, but I don't think he's gonna be uh, the main the striker. Probably Borja is gonna take that place. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think we have somebody of that quality, and it's sad because uh, you know, like uh, he got injured during his prime time, right? So he, we were not able to see Falcao playing in like, the twenty ten. Yeah, like uh, he normally plays for the national team because he got injured right before the World Cup in Brazil. 2014, I'm sorry. Yes. 2014. He got injured by a math teacher. So what? <laughs> did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, well, he played a match. He was playing for Monaco and Monaco oh. and France. They played like this crazy tournament in which they played like teams from all the divisions play against each other or something like that. So he played against a team, which I don't remember the name because he was in third or fourth division. And uh, one of the defenders was a math teacher and used to play soccer in his like free time or whatever. So he hit Falcao really bad and, and, he, and he got injured out of that. So yeah, so wow. anyhow, yeah, we, I don't think we have somebody to replace him. Also, I don't think we don't have a, a, a goalie either. So, because I think Ospina, be, be, besides Ospina, I don't think we have any anybody like of that quality. Right. The good thing is that it, he can be, he can still be the goalie for some years. But 
you know, like he still, he, I think he's like 31, so he has probably like seven years more to play. But yeah, he still has time. Yeah, he has some time left. But your your team is interesting because it's it's very it's young, but you know also some of the players are getting up there. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they uh, and how you replace them. And the reason why I find that interesting and and comes to mind to me is because and I'm gonna segue really elegantly into the Peru Chile game. Uh, is because it was so obvious in the Peru Chile game that Chile has no replacement for no. the greatest no. generation of players that they no. ever had. Um, you're right. And it was so evident, and honestly, just a little bit sad, but, you know, not really, because we won 3-0. Um, but that that's, that's, that's something that, that, I don't know if, if you guys know, but Reynaldo Roya is the coach of Chile. He's Colombian, and, and for I think he's one of the best coaches that are, that, that are around right now for national teams. He's really good. Mm-hmm. But he had, he didn't want to take Chile because of that because he didn't see the possibility to find replacements. Right. So he took the team, but I think he's trying to to make to to you know like to see where to get these new players to replace that generation. But it's gonna take some time for sure. Yeah, it's it was it was fascinating to to see. I guess I hadn't seen Chile play for a while. Uh, and, you know, we all remember how the last qualifier ended for them. I mean, they not only failed to qualify, but they, they there was also, like, a lot of arguments between the players. Like, Claudio Bravo's wife said a bunch of things about, like, uh, Vidal and stuff. So, you know, it, it wasn't great. Um, so, this is the first time, at least, I had seen Chile play. And, you know, the memory is very fresh of the Chile that won two Copa Americas, beat the crap out of Mexico 7-0. Uh, and so on and so forth and for people that didn't watch it Peru beat Chile 3-0 uh, no hesitate, no question that it should have been probably more than three goals um, it was just not even competitive <laughs> to a certain degree at the end of the game you know, you know how like sometimes crowds go overboard and they're like ole ole. Well, honestly, this time they did deserve it because Chile could not like get the ball at all. Um, so again, you know, I know I should be happy about Peru that we won, and I am. But it is very curious to me to see how do you fail. I mean, this is not a problem that you can solve. This is a problem that you see. Hey, Alexis Sanchez, Arturo Vidal, and all these players are getting old. We may want to find some replacements for them. But, you know, in all these years of glory, they didn't do that. Uh, you know, so- someone's, to me at least, it seems like someone dropped the ball there. I think it's because, you know, like, I think Chile has the same problem with Colombia. And I think uh, um, most Latin American countries, except Argentina and, and Brazil, I think, and Uruguay, you know, like, I think uh, there is not like an structure of how to make players or how to develop players. So sometimes they just come out of nowhere. And I think Chile and Colombia, we were like lucky enough that, you know, like we had some players, uh, to, to make really good teams lately, but I don't think that's the norm because there is not any structure behind it, you know? But I guess my point is, I, I agree with you, and I guess what I was trying to say is, like, you've been so successful in the last few years, like Ch- Chile has, like, that is your excuse to kind of come up with a more, 
you know a better framework to to get better players because there just seems to be this gap and i would say sebas even like colombia like i know borja for example i've seen him play i think he's an awesome player i agree with you that he's not probably not gonna be as amazing as falcao was but he is awesome yeah, um, he's good. Yeah, that's fine. you know it, it's it's you know in chile i I saw some of those replacements for those older players. Holy crap. I mean, it, it was, like, alarming to see. Um, there were some players that were trying to pass at Vincula, that is a Peruvian right back, by throwing the ball and trying to run around him. I mean, like, that was never going to happen. Uh, like, at Vincula is one of the fastest players, players on earth, and they were just, you know, making all these wrong decisions, um, you know, just really not playing very smartly. So... Um, I, I don't yeah, know. Some, some other players are very unknown. Like for example, I never heard of this guy called uh, Eric Pulgar. Yeah. Or for example, there is one that is Igor Lichopnowski. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I I don't know where the, these players. Are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just remember. Uh, I remember before I used to even know the 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 goalie, like the replacement goalie for uh, for for Bravo. Uh, now we don't. And anyway, um, just a, a quick run run through of, of the game. The game ended three zero. Peru scored the first goal um, in the first half, and it was a weird goal. It was an own goal actually by Chile's defense defense um, that Carrillo crossed, and then the Chilean defender just put it in, in in his own goal. Uh, and then the second half, Chile started playing a little better in the first five minutes. And then it was all Peru until the end of the game, and we scored two more goals. And like I said, there could have been a couple more. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was kind of amazing to see. <laughs> it was, it was amazing to see the fact that we played like that against France, Australia against Australia, and against Denmark in the World Cup. And it's amazing to see that we still do that. You know, that, that's, I yeah. think, the, the key takeaway for me. Yeah, Peru is definitely getting stronger, for sure. Like, it, I think it's a more consolidated team right now. And I think everything is because they have a coach, right? Like, uh, Yeah, for I sure. Think, uh, that stability is definitely, is definitely, it plays in favor of the team, right? Yep, I, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, th there is an effort to make, to, to get young players, um, you know, to, to have experience to and play with the like major team that you know between national teams, um, there is there's all this work being done today to to increase the number of players uh, that are national team worthy, um, and uh, I, again, I, I, to me, you know, despite the fact that we won three zero, I just really enjoy the fact that. Uh, we, we we have an identity now. You know, we, we play the same um, no matter who we play against. And sometimes it works. I mean, we're going to lose, we're going to tie, we're going to win. Um, but, you know, it's something that I, in my lifetime, I had never seen. <laughs> okay. But All right. Well, I think we should move forward. <laughs> I'm glad you're don't feeling cry. good. Don't, don't cry, Edgar. <laughs> well, no, so, now, now, so, is, so dramatic. <laughs> now, now is... Now is Justin's time to cry. <laughs> because we're gonna talk about the next games coming up, right? Which are tomorrow, Peru versus Chile, or I guess, well, yeah, on no. Tuesday, Peru versus sorry, Peru versus the U.S. Yeah. Um, 
Well, how how do you feel, Justin? Not good. I, mean, <laughs> I the U.S. again not starting three or four of their best players and youngest and most promising players don't seem That's to true. really have a plan of attack or an attack much. So they're gonna have to play. You know, they're gonna have to switch some stuff up. Uh, I don't know what really they have planned, but they're gonna need to play a counterattack game and try to play better on the left and right side. Um, and I. I don't know if they have the players to do it. I'm worried. Uh, we'll see. Guzan's going to start in goal. I know that. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but I don't know. This is a, <laughs> it's a weird time for the U.S. Yeah. You know, tomorrow I didn't realize but Mexico is playing Chile. Interesting. Interesting because last time they played Chile, like, murdered them. Seven to one was that the score? Seven zero, I was. Seven zero. Seven wow. zero. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think that's gonna happen this time. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Chill, you know, Peru, fast, right, quick, looked very good against Chile, as you know. Um, we're gonna have to. I feel like they're very similar to Colombia in the way that they play and the type of press they put on. So we're gonna have to play a lot better. But I think you have I think you have more of a chance against us against Peru because even though you don't have your best team forward, it does you know the fact that you were able to turn it around seems pretty. At least there is a willingness or you know even luck to be able to do that. Um, so I, I I was you know we were talking offline I was just joking that. Will be the crap out of you. I think, I think most likely we Peru will win, but I don't think it will be, you know, probably more than one goal or or, or two. I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think Peru doesn't have a really strong defense, though. I mean, yeah. even though I think that's like the Achilles thing. Like I don't think sometimes Peru, I think it's really good, but at some point it gets deconcentrated and it lost. It, it loses like. Like concentration and, and because of that, like you know, the other team is is able to be very risky in times in which it should have been risky. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I remember, for example, in the World Cup that Peru had it against, I believe it was Denmark. At some point, he lost concentration for like two minutes, and in right. those two minutes, it was over for yeah. Like and and, Peru, and so. the same the same thing happened against France. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are things that they definitely need to work on. Um, but uh, th that's why I think, you know, the U.S. I, I think that the, the U.S. team being so young will, will learn a lot. Uh, and that on our perspective, in the qualifiers, we usually play defending. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, we, we usually defend a little more than what we than what we attack because other teams are better than us, right? Uruguay, Colombia, blah, blah, blah. Um, so in this case, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of Peru having to take the initiative and having to attack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I want to see that match, for sure. Um, that, where, where are they playing? It's not New Jersey, right? It's in Connecticut. Yep. Connecticut. Yep, Connecticut. Connecticut. <laughs> East Hartford. It's like a really random place to play soccer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
warming up for the uh, 2026 bid, I guess. Trying to get all the stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Again, it's hard to know with this U.S. team if it's even going to be the same. Because, again, no manager. The guys in charge is kind of just throwing stuff together and seeing what can stick. I think he kind of already knows that he's not going to be retained because they haven't performed well under him, really. And so I imagine whenever they hire a new manager, he's going to have a new philosophy, a new way of wanting to play, and he's going to want to put his own players in. And so what that's going to look like, I, I mean, you have a sense of probably a handful, five, six, maybe seven, eight, but, you know, it's going to be different. So how much can you really take from these games at this point for the U.S. team? Hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. Do you, have you heard anything about who's going to be a new coach? Um, there have been some rumors. There's some names that have been throwing uh, throwing around. Um, but I don't know if there's a decision that's going to be made anytime soon. You know, I yeah, think I don't know. It's supposed to be before the end of the year, but I don't know. I heard they were talking about Martino. Yeah, that's a name that's point. been thrown. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see anybody either in the, from the from the on the Colombian side. Like they have said, some they have uh, named some some foreign coaches, but no, nothing like for real. So yeah, I don't know. Colombia is playing Costa Rica tomorrow. Um, I think it's gonna be a very exciting match. I don't know much about the Costa Rican team to be honest. Besides that, they have one of the best goalies on earth. <laughs> And um, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be an interesting match. I think it's a more consolidated team than the U.S. though, because they they went to the World Cup and they you know like they've been having like a, a stable like group of players and stuff. So I think it's gonna be a little bit more intense. But I don't know. That's I don't know much about like the, the Costa Rican team right now. Uh, I think you guys are gonna win though. Uh, or or tie in 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 case Taylor Taylor <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Swift Taylor Swift no Taylor, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you know if Taylor has a pretty good evening then 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 you won't win you probably tie yeah but do you know any about anything else besides Taylor like, I who is right now like a star in Costa Rica because I I don't know I haven't heard much of no it. I, I I used to know a couple of players I think. I, I honestly I don't remember from the top of my head, um, so no, I, I don't. I yeah. don't know any of their players, but you know, I, Just I think on the team. Yeah, like any of the you know. What's Ruiz? Good. Right, he's pretty good, Brian Ruiz. Oh yeah, he's still playing. Uh yeah, I think so. I think he plays for a Brazilian team now. He used to play for I think Fulham. Right. Yeah, but I don't think he plays anymore for the national team, or maybe he does, and I totally don't remember. I yeah. I thought he was a captain, but maybe not anymore. Oh, he you're right. He does play. He's 33 though. That's why I think he retired. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he used to play at PSV too, I think. Yeah. Um. That's what. That's where I remember him from, at least. Yeah. I think a Costa Rica player was Joel Campbell, right? Is he Costa Rican? Yeah, Joel Campbell is Costa Rican. Yep. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, he used to play like in Italy and stuff. Probably he played, that's... He played at uh, Arsenal. Uh, yeah, he played, he played at Arsenal. Arsenal, yep. For a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then he got loaned out a bunch, and then he I think he played for uh, Sporting in Portugal. Well, Lisbon, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then there is Brian Oviedo, who's also I remember him, his name. I'm just trying to look it up because I Brian you, Oviedo. Yeah, I, I remember him from the World Cup stickers. That's why Panini is useful for. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It makes things easier. Yeah. Well, well, it's gonna be nice to see all these friendlies. Though. I, I, I don't know. I wish we had kind of a tournament more structure in which, like you know, like Concacaf and Conmebol played against each other, and you know, more or less like a Copa America centenario in some way. Uh, because I think this friendly is like is, there is a lot of experimentation and uh, sometimes I think a little bit too much I saw this for example like, like in the Colombia against US because the US experimented like really badly like, they brought like players like super new players yeah. and you know it, it could be great to have a tournament like a serious tournament you know like with, a, with like uh, trophies and stuff so I think like uh, federations will take could take that tournament a little bit more serious, and probably we won't be having those problems that we don't have a coach or whatever, you know. But th- yeah. I don't know. About, I don't know how I feel about that because well, Europe is doing that as, as we've discussed mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with uh, what is it called, League of Nations? What, yeah. what, I don't know the United Nations of Nations. League Nations Cup. Post World War Two. I don't Post know. World War II. Um, <laughs> and. You know, it's just making them play against each other, which I guess is good for them because, you know, probably on average they have the best teams, right? Um, Definitely. But it kind of keeps everyone else out. I don't know if it's a good thing that all the federations just close themselves in and play amongst themselves. Uh, And there's little opportunity to play, you know, I don't know, Uruguay versus versus England or or whatever. I don't know, what do you guys think? Hmm. I think, well, I mean, since they are doing it, we should start doing something like that. You know, like, right now, like, uh, it doesn't make much sense, besides monetary, that we keep playing the same teams all over and all over again. I, like, this match against the U.S., I probably it's been, like, 20 times we've seen Colombia playing the, the U.S. in the past, like, 10 years. You know, it's been a match that we have played so right. much. Right. And... It's not, nothing against the US or anything, but it will be great that we played against the US, but for something, you know, like if we were like right. uh, playing something be, like to, to get a cup or something. And there is a tournament, I think it's next year, right? That there's a tournament, um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a tournament that's a, for a trophy. Well, there's a gold cup next year, I know that. Um, I don't know how much that means, but that's a trophy that. Just the mess at, uh, you know, something. Um, what is that other term? There's another one that is being played in 2019 that I think we're we're thinking about. Um, that is concludes South America. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't heard of anything. But I. I, 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 I think I, what 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 uh, Justin is referring to is that they were thinking or they're thinking that. Since the Copa America Centenario was such a success, they want to do another one, kind of like yes, that. yeah, the 2019 yeah. Copa America, yeah, that's going to include yeah. 
12 teams, I think, from both Central and North America. Yeah. But you see, I think something like that is way more exciting and, you know, pushes the teams to play better than playing a bunch of friendlies. <laughs> you know, like... Yes, I agree. Yeah. Mm, I'm still not convinced. I just think that sometimes you do need time to test things. And if you have a kid that is 17 or 18 or 19 years old playing, you know, and he doesn't have a chance to play a friendly game, uh, and, and you know, all the games that he'll play is, are going to be, you know, worth something. I, I don't know. I, I do see room for friendlies. Um, it... But and and I don't like that there is that the federations would be closing each other. Those are my two arguments for why I wouldn't like something like this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, but but I mean, the, pro- probably like the, the, it could be great to have something like uh, I was thinking more like baseball, <laughs> in which you know, like sometimes like you know the Yankees play the Cardinals, something like uh, the, on the side, you know, maybe something like that. Are you talking about interleague play? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's well, that's an interesting thought. Um, and those games always count, so they yeah. don't play them just for fun. They're not, they're not friendlies, right? They're not like they're. Wait, they're, they do count? You said Justin? Yeah, they do count. Yeah, yeah. So after spring spring training, you know, you get into the regular season, and then the the leagues play each other, right? National League plays National League, and American plays American League, but they're also a handful of series that are interleague for every team now. They started doing that where the National League team will play a team from the American League. Like, the Cubs play the White Sox every year, and the Cubs are in the National League, the White Sox in the American League. They didn't used to do that, but they started doing that every year now. Um, so, it... And it's... It's interesting you brought up baseball, because in baseball, there is a pretty strong distinction between the National and American League, because one has a DH and one doesn't, right? So... One has a has what? <laughs> This is a soccer podcast. I don't want to get too far into <laughs> other sports, but there's a, there's a designated hitter in the American League, which means there's a spot that's designated to a player who just hits, who doesn't play in the field. Usually it's reserved for the pitcher, right? So instead of the pitcher hitting in the American League, he just pitches. But in the National League, the pitcher is a spot in the batting lineup, so he actually has to go up to bat. So that's the difference mm. between the AL and the NL. So when a, when a National League team has to play an American League team, they can adjust their strategy to have a player that's only hitting, and then vice versa. When an American League team plays at a National League park, <laughs> they have a pitcher that's hitting. So, oh, my God. I, 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 barely, I, I barely know what a pitcher is. Yeah. And it matters. <laughs> it doesn't matter really until the World Series. But in the World Series, you see this kind of change, and like the home team gets the the rule so it, it, it does change circumstances a little bit it's, it's kind of it's a weird thing that has been in, in place for a long time in baseball and it's a big debate on like whether or not they should keep it but but yeah that's I think that's kind of where you're going Sebastian is with European soccer versus American based soccer versus South American soccer you know you have different styles, you have different ways of playing, and if you never play each other, you just get used to playing your own continent, your own type of football, right? Where European style is very elegant, pass-driven, you know, these great German and French and English teams and all that. 
Whereas in South America, you have different style of play, and if you never get to, to play against each other, then when you play in the World Cup, you see crazy things happen, like we did this year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, I mean, if they create, if we make a, if there is a tournament that, that we could play here, you know, in between Conmebol and Concacaf, yeah, which I think I think we're moving towards that. Yeah, because Concacaf has realized that there is not much competition for like the U.S. and Mexico in that federation right i think it it will be great to have you know maybe that they play against germany instead of playing i don't know instead of playing like another country here in the americas but that by playing that team they will get points on both sides of the of the ocean or something i don't know that's a good point too because especially if like like imagine you're a u.s fan uh, and you're crying still over 2018 (laughs) but the next time you're going to get to see your team play against really, really good competition right. that matters isn't going to be until 2022, you know? I mean, of course, you've got the Gold Cups. You're going to play Mexico. Maybe you get to play a couple of games against, you know, Chile or, you know, Peru or Colombia or whatever. And sometimes they count, sometimes they don't. But you're not going to get to see the U.S. Right. play a meaningful a game right. against, like, Germany, France, Spain, the best of the best until 2022 and that makes it hard to be engaged for four straight years when your team is is not doing that and you don't have a very strong domestic league and you're kind of you know soccer is just not the top of mind for u.s sports fans so it's it makes it challenging that is that is a that is actually a very strong argument justin that you just made i like it because it is like if you see soccer as a product then i think you're, you're you're very spot on like, right. there is not a, like, and, and kind of aids Sebas' arguments, right? Like, with the friends, friends are played for nothing, so people don't care. Um, exactly. And so, if you do see it as a product, then it, it just makes a lot of sense that you would have a competitive, you know, like what the Europeans are doing. Yes. Um, but I, I personally, honestly, if I have to choose, I would choose not to compete with CONCACAF, um, because I don't think it's much competition. I would rather choose some other federation um you know but i think i think concacaf is like our natural you know rival i mean not because they're just right there yeah you know like and we we are gonna end up being one thing at some point because i think they you know like like what we saw in copa america centenario you know before the U.S. didn't pay much attention to soccer, and you know, like this, when they used to play these matches, they were very empty. Right. But that's not the case anymore. They, you know, like right. when Brazil plays here or Argentina, or you see all these yeah. like teams coming here, it's like it's, fully yeah, full, like book. Yeah. And, and yeah, MLS so has think, helped too because MLS has gotten right. better. So it's it's plus the the growth of the Premier League in the U.S. People are starting to really be interested in teams like that because with the Premier League, you get a, it's easy to watch on TV. You just flip it on a Saturday morning and it's there. And you're watching the best players in the world play on your TV. And you get to learn about these teams and get an understanding of, oh, well, in England they have these really interesting histories and in Spain and in France. And that part of the growth of the game, I think we're starting to figure out how to educate U.S. fans about stuff outside of just your very direct backyard. So that's been a good way to grow it. That plus... Using actually playing FIFA video game. <laughs> that's, that's true, though. That it's is funny, true. but it, it like as a, I'm telling you this as a US as right. a US fan that I also watch like four other sports and 
the reason I watch Premier League is because it's easy to watch, it's easy to follow. It's in can, English. It's in English. <laughs> I can I can play as the teams on FIFA and get to know the players pretty well and easily. Right. And it makes it fun because then you're like, oh, cool. Now I know that my team has a rivalry with this team, so I can know that like that's going on this week and that these players are playing against each other. And even in like say in two years when the the Europe European Championship. Um, Cup goes on. You're going to think, oh, well, some of the players that my team follows play for like England or Denmark, and they're going to play against Spain or France or whatever, and I'm going to want to watch that because I'm going to know that it's top quality competition for right. a good, for a legitimate trophy, right? So that's what you want to see as a fan of, of sports, you know? That is, that is very interesting because for me, at least, the way I see it, you know, I've always followed this. Like, it hasn't been much of a choice because of where I come from, right? Uh, and what I've done and so it's very hard for me to see it as a product uh, right. which is you know essentially what you're saying Justin right it's a product competing amongst other products like basketball baseball and whatever um, and you know seeing it like that kind of really it just makes a lot of sense right you know people have um, what you're saying that there should be a joint competition that you know uh, that people can that, that people can follow and that teams can play for points or, or, or a cup of some sort. Yeah. You're used to seeing the yeah. best and you want to see the best as often as you can and the best playing against the best. I, I, I still think, though, that it would be a disservice to, to, to Comebol, to, to South America, to play... Like, you... Oh, and I'm sorry, but the way I see it is you want to play against people that are against countries that are, that are better than you instead of countries that are worse than you. And so the way I see it, Comebol should be playing against Europe instead of playing against um, CONCACAF. <laughs> Sorry, no, the and, problem no, Europe doesn't want to play with us anymore. <laughs> they have their own like neighborhood now, and they just do whatever they want to do there. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. So, it's, I think, and you're talking about the whole empire of European soccer and just how they essentially own that. And South America and America gets shut out, you know? That's why Brazil, it's hard for Brazilians to get over there and to get successful and Chileans and, you know, Colombians. You don't see that many because it's very ch difficult to get exposure. Yeah. I also think that, you know, since the, it, it's, it's worth it to take advantage that the U.S. is increasing its, its attention into soccer yep. by creating something of high quality here. You know, like, we, if there was a tournament that was... I, I think that Copa America Centenario was so good. And yes, it was great. It was good it was for great. everybody. It was good for everybody. It made sense. You know, like, we saw that... I, For example, I had American friends who were not interested in soccer that much, and they followed this thing. Right. They broadcasted the, the, the matches in bars. Yep. It I was... Remember, yeah. It was really good, so I, I think it should be replicated, you know, it's something like that. I don't know, but... And, like, I've been to some of those International Champion Cup games, right, which are exhibition matches, preseason matches between big European teams they play in the U.S. And I've seen it be crowded. Like, a lot of people go to those games because they love seeing right. it. They're like, oh, cool, Man United is playing Juventus. Great, I'll go pay and watch that. Even though it doesn't count for anything, I still get to see these star players, even if they only play for 30 minutes or whatever. It's still, it matters. So their audience is there. They just need to create a product that's worth paying for, you know, worth buying into. Yeah, that's right. 
But yeah, so we will have these matches tomorrow. So I think this is the end of our podcast. I think our time has come. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yep. And uh, well, uh, thank you for all the followers. We have been increasing followers lately, so we're very happy about that. But uh, keep listening, and we'll we'll be here next week. Okay. Thank you so all much, right. everyone. Thank Thanks you. all.